Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of September 23rd, 2020, including, in what can only be described as one of the biggest acquisitions in gaming history, Microsoft have announced that they have purchased Bethesda and its sibling companies. Xbox Series X and S pre-orders went live this week and were arguably a mess. We got some new updates on Xbox accessories and more. wish I recorded this week's episode yesterday when the Bethesda news hit because I was on such a big like Xbox high Xbox excitement kick that it would have been just like the perfect energy to record an episode of the show and then like today was just the polar opposite I'm, I'm recording the show Tuesday night at night earlier than usual because the show will go live a day earlier than usual I'm going to put this live on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m eastern time as opposed to the typical Thursday 9 a.m just because obviously so much big news happening this week and and I just feel like this, we kind of got to get this one out a little sooner than usual. But yeah, I mean, like the other day I was in just such a good mood about the Xbox ecosystem with the whole Bethesda acquisition announcement. And then today with the whole attempt to pre-order or the, the, the pre-order starting, whatever you want to call the fiasco that was today, I feel a lot more despondent about Xbox and arguably just don't want to talk about it right now because I'm really salty. I've been, uh, I, I, I kept trying to just put goodwill out there, you know, like, hey, you have a small audience, but, you know, there's a handful of people out there listening to you. So I feel like I have somewhat of an obligation to say if you're if you're an Xbox fan hoping to get your hands on a pre-order for a Series X or a Series S, then, you know, it's really, you know, it's my duty to try and nudge you guys and remind you guys so that you're given a fair opportunity to get your pre-order in. And, you know, I got, I got a tiny handful of people who follow me on Twitter, particularly for Xbox related things. So again, I'm like, you know, I feel like I should try to keep people in the know, make sure everyone gets their pre-order in. I've been trying to keep my brother in the, in the loop about, you know, Xbox pre-orders Tuesday morning. And then finally Tuesday morning rolls around. I'm like, okay, what about my pre-order? So, you know, I got the, the new surface duo. I'm trying to use the two screens to the best of my ability so i got best buy on one on one screen i got a microsoft store on a, a second screen i'm i'm waiting it's 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 almost 11 a.m here on the east coast when when the uh, uh pre-orders go live and i'm just i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting then boom everything goes live and, and my phone starts crashing or not my phone so much but these websites start crashing and my phone can't handle it and it's not being fast enough on t-mobile's network so i'm just kind of getting the shit beat out of me and not able to get these pre-orders and the whole internet's melting down and no one's getting these pre-orders. And then next thing I know, it's like 30 minutes have gone by and I still don't have a pre-order for the Xbox. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, Holy shit. Fuck me. I guess I'm not, I guess, I guess this really is going to be the, the podcast about one console, the Xbox one, because I'm never going to be able to upgrade to the series X after all it, it appears. But I mean, obviously a little, just, a. Uh, self-pity self you know self-serving kind of story here but I'm just I'm just a little salty today I was I spent I spent the rest of the day you know I was at work trying to just like hide and sneak away wherever possible to whip out my phone and try and get an opportunity to check all the websites check Twitter see what people are saying oh this site works try this link uh, I found some success here just keep trying at Amazon whatever and uh just to, to no avail I just was not able to get my hands on a goddamn Xbox pre-order and I'm just really bummed about that. So I'm trying not to be a whole dickhead about it because 
you know, there's obviously a lot bigger things going on in the world. And, you know, if I got to wait an extra couple weeks or whatever it is till I can finally get my hands on one, that's not the biggest deal. But but then but then things take a turn for the better. My brother reaches out to me and he says he was able to get his hands on not only one pre-order, but two pre-orders, one through Walmart and one through Amazon. So I, I don't know if the Xbox gods are just in his favor, but he was able to get his hands on two and, and not two because he was going to scalp one, keep one, but two because he knew I was having trouble acquiring a pre-order. So he's like, hey, I got myself one and I was able to get you one as well. So my brother sweeps in and saves the day. I'm now forever in his debt. My brother Josiah, who comments and listens to the show regularly, you may recognize him. Everyone, let's be sure to give Josiah a huge shout out this week for saving the day. Listen, I wouldn't be able to deliver the Xbox Series X launch era impressions that I'm going to be able to provide to you if it weren't for his swooping in in the last minute there in securing me a pre-order. Now, I'm still just like in in the most like entitled and selfish way, I'm still just a little bit bummed because I I don't know. It just doesn't feel like I got a pre-order. Like I wanted to I wanted to acquire my own pre-order, like get my confirmation email to my email address, know that it was shipping to my home address. Like I just don't feel like I have one like a pre-order locked in because I don't have that email solidifying it. So like my brother forwarded me the email, but the Xbox is actually shipping to his house in Atlanta and then he's going to have to mail it to me. So I probably won't get it until the, until like the second or third day that the box is out, which is, which is fine. You know, just stop being, again, stop being a selfish brother are way bigger things in the world going on. There are actual problems that exist in this world. You don't need to get all sad and torn up over, you know, a fucking video game box that, that you're going to have to wait an extra two days to play or whatever. But I don't know. There's just something about it where I, I still don't feel like I have one because I, I would prefer to have my own pre-order to have it, you know, ship into my house on launch day and all that stuff. But just the fact that I'm able to have one in this kind of roundabout capacity is is a great blessing. So either way, I still spent the whole day just looking for opportunities to sneak away on my phone and try to see, well, is Best Buy working now? Is Sam's Club working now? What's the what's the update on Newegg? Shout out to a marketer listens and comments to the show sometimes who was who who was like tweeting out some links trying to help me out and get one. I, I appreciate that a lot. And just a just a bunch of I don't know I, that, I guess that's the good thing is I I guess that's the nice part in all this is I did see a lot of people just whether it be social media or whatever I, I saw a lot of people just kind of trying to reach out and help help a friend out help a fellow Xbox fan out any way they could by just you know sharing links telling them what worked for them and things like that but overall it seemed like kind of a, a bit of a shit show where just not many people were getting pre-orders I my first suspicion is that you know both with Xbox and with PlayStation Five is I bet due to COVID and, and some other things and just the fact that there are multiple SKUs of these devices, whereas last time there was only one Xbox One, there was only one PS5 or PS4 rather. There's just like a lot of production constraints and everything in place. And that that's my guess. And so I assume there are a lot few there are far fewer Xbox Ones or Xbox Series X's and S's and PS5's being produced mostly due to COVID, I'm sure. And so there's just this added like kind of frenzy to get your hands on a goddamn pre-order because it's just already such a limited capacity and and game consoles are game consoles are one of the few things that like just brings out such an aggressive day one crowd more than anything else because you know gamers the video game industry just inherently kind of attracts like techie people and nerdy people and like consumer and that, that kind of consumer culture, like new tech, flashy stuff, day one buy, got to be on board, got to be part of the conversation. I feel like that kind of thing goes hand in hand with gamers. So the the kind of crowds in the numbers of people and the reactions you see to like day one launches for a new piece of video game hardware is kind of 
unmatched. You know, you don't really see that kind of excitement for many other products out there. Maybe like occasionally like a new iPhone or something like that. But even like a, an iPhone launch seems kind of a little better controlled and a little more under control than than say the launch of like the new Xbox. But then again, I'm sure Apple gets far better production output or, or production potential, I guess, than, than, you know, Microsoft with their couple of SKUs of Xbox. So a little bit of a different situation, but, but still, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get these, especially, I mean, this is how every console launch really goes, right? I mean, it, it, this is no indication as to how well Xbox series X and S are going to perform over the course of their lifetime, because this is just really how every console launches. The only console launch I've ever been a part of, you know, in my entire life where the story wasn't like there were a billion people and it was a bloodbath and pre-orders were gone in 10 seconds is the Wii U. And even the Wii U had a pretty successful launch. Like when pre-orders first went live for the Wii U, it was still pretty busy and they sold out pretty quickly. But I remember like going to the midnight launch for the Wii U and like no one showed up. I actually went, I actually went to my local Walmart where I had my pre-order for the Wii U back in 2012. And I remember (laughs) I showed up at like 1130 and the guy in the electronics department was like, can I help you? We're closing up at midnight. I'm like, yeah, you guys are doing a, a midnight launch for the Nintendo Wii U. And he goes, the what? And I was like, uh, the the Nintendo Wii U. It's the new Nintendo console that comes out today. And I had to I had to show him what it was. He's like, oh. And it's like this older guy who had no clue what I was talking about. And there wasn't a single other person in that Walmart who was there for the Wii U. But Walmart was advertising online that that store was participating in a midnight launch for the Wii U. So I was the only one who showed up. And the guy the guy probably just wanted to you know get the fuck out of there as soon as it hit midnight because that's when his shift was up. Which just goes. Uh, what's the name on your order? And I just told him, and then he goes, hang on a second. He goes into the back and he just (laughs) comes out like three minutes later with this Nintendo Wii U, you know, like 20 minutes before the box is even like technically on the market and just goes, uh, here you go. (laughs) He just gives me the box. Doesn't ID me. Doesn't ask for any further verification. Doesn't give a fuck that the box technically doesn't come out till the next day. you, You know, the store could get in big trouble for giving out, you know, a product that hasn't hit its technical street release date, you know, like that. So just this guy clearly didn't give a fuck. He just gives me the box and goes, there you go, kid. And I just, I remember leaving feeling so cool. Like, wow, I got the new Nintendo console technically, uh, you know, the day before it comes out. But that was the most like pathetic experience I ever had with like a video game console launch. But everything else, you know, I've been to the launch of like the Switch, the PS4, the Xbox One, all, you know, all the other ones, the Nintendo 3DS, all these other hardware releases in recent, you know, 10 plus years. And it's always a bloodbath. You know, everything always sells out day one. And then it goes through a period. You, you get anything from like the Xbox One, which was impossible to find for like a month or all the way down to like the like the Nintendo Wii, which was impossible to find for like six months, you know, to a year. So it's 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 any any kind of situation like that, but that's that's pretty much what you're always going to expect with video games. So Xbox Series X and S, no different. I suspect you won't see these boxes in stores till at least I mean, maybe once the holidays are over, they'll start to become easier to find, but with COVID and everything playing a role, these these boxes uh, both Xbox and PlayStation might be a little bit more challenging than usual to find. But, you know, to all, to, I don't even know why I went on this big rant about the Wii U and everything. But to all of you who secured your pre orders for your new Xbox today, congratulations. For those of you who did not secure your pre orders, please know that I, I feel your pain and I, I'm sorry. But, you know, the good news, I think the thing to hang on to with all this is that usually the way, especially with like pre orders nowadays, 
it's never really a one and done thing. Like we've got till November 10th till this box comes out. There's a very good chance that there's going to, you know, Amazon will get some more in stock and Best Buy will get some more in stock and there'll be little batches here and there of additional pre-orders that come and go. So just keep your eyes peeled. What I did was I found some reliable people on Twitter um, and just kind of hit the notification bell on their Twitter account. So you get notified whenever they send out a new tweet. If you, if you don't, if you aren't already familiar, Wario 64 on on Twitter, very famous like video games. He he's always tweeting tweeting out like video game deals and sales and things like that. Um, he's a great source to follow in a time like this. Whenever he finds more of something that's on pre order in stock, he always tweets it out and gives links and everything. So I recommend following, getting alerts for someone like that on on Twitter or your social media channel of preference, just so you can kind of get updates as things go back in stock, but I suspect between now and launch day on November 10th, we'll see Xbox Series consoles go back in stock to some of these retailers, at least, in uh, some additional batches, so if you didn't get one today, it's probably not game over, but just know I, I feel you, this has been a bit of a mess, obviously. Gotta say, a lot. Of pe- I saw a lot of people totally shitting on PlayStation for what a mess the PS5 pre-order was. This wasn't that much better. Now, you got to give Xbox credit because Xbox definitely handled things better by saying, we're not going to we're not going to let pre-orders go alive without giving you like ample advance notice, telling you a specific date, specific times, and they kind of like staggered the pre-orders based on time zones, which is a really great thing. So, you know, people in Europe were getting their pre-orders at different times from people here in the US and stuff like that. So, definitely much much better handled on Xbox's part. But at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do before, like, you know, pre-orders go live and everyone just fucking crashes these retailers' websites, which is exactly what happened. So I'm not not really sure what Microsoft could have done better to to prevent this or make this any easier than it was. But it, the situation definitely wasn't great and everything did not go smoothly and without a hitch. And I don't know. I, I don't know how much Microsoft or Xbox is to blame for that. I don't think you can really blame them too much, but... It definitely wasn't great, and uh, it, I don't know, it kind of sucks, so whatever. It's not the end of the world. Xbox Series consoles will be on sale shortly. Like I said, there will probably be more pre-orders soon, and then it'll only be a matter of time before you can find them in stores a little a little easier. So and, and in addition to all that, the great thing about Xbox right now is that you can play new Xbox games on your Xbox One, your Xbox One X, your PC, so... There's plenty of ways to play these games coming out this holiday season without owning an Xbox Series S or X, as exciting as it might be to get your hands on new hardware. Plus, I know a lot of you listening to this show like to brag about how you got those sick-ass gaming PC rigs, so I know a lot of you guys aren't even looking to pre-order new Xbox consoles. And that's uh, But I guess that's the beauty of Xbox, right? So... There's that, and now we're gonna we're gonna just jump into the big story this week. We're gonna skip just like last week. We're gonna kind of break the the typical format just because this is such a big and in unusual news week, just in terms of like the the how important this story is. So we'll skip the comments now, get into the big news, and then we'll kind of go back to the comments and finish out the show later. So without any further ado, let's jump into this massive uh, Microsoft acquiring Bethesda story, which I. Still just doesn't sound real every time I say it, so. So there's a couple things I want to get into rather than just writing this like a normal news story. I'm going to read you like word for word the post that went on Xbox Wire, and then I have some quotes from Phil Spencer and Sachin Della that I want to go over as well. So let me just, just humor me for a second. I'm going to read through these couple of paragraphs from Xbox Wire. 
Today is a special day as we welcome some of the most accomplished studios in the games industry to Xbox. We are thrilled to announce Microsoft has entered into an agreement to acquire ZeniMax Media, parent company of Bethesda Softworks. As one of the largest, most critically acclaimed, privately held game developers and publishers in the world, Bethesda is an incredibly talented group of 2,300 people worldwide who make up some of the most accomplished creative studios in our industry across Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online Studios, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios. These are the teams responsible for franchises like The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Prey, Quake, Starfield, and many more. Bethesda's games have always had a special place on Xbox and in our and in the hearts of millions of gamers around the world. Our teams have had close and storied histories working together from the amazing first Doom and its id Tech engine, innovating games on PC, to Bethesda bringing their first console game to the original Xbox, the groundbreaking Elder Scrolls III Morrowind. Over the years, I've had many deep conversations with the creative leaders at Bethesda on the future of gaming, and we've long shared similar visions for the opportunities for creators and their games uh, to reach more players in more ways. Just as they took the bold first steps to bring the Elder Scrolls franchise to the original Xbox, Bethesda were early to support Xbox Game Pass, bringing their games to new audiences across devices and have been actively investing in new gaming technology like cloud streaming of games. We will be adding Bethesda's iconic franchises to Xbox Game Pass for console and PC. One of the things that has has me most excited is seeing the roadmap with Bethesda's future games, some announced and some unannounced, to Xbox console and PC, including Starfield, the highly anticipated new space epic currently in development by Bethesda Game Studios. Like us, Bethesda are passionate believers in building uh, a diverse array of creative experiences, in exploring new game franchises, and in, in telling stories in bold ways. All of their great work will, of course, continue and grow, and we look forward to empowering them with their re- with the resources and support of Microsoft to scale their creative visions to more players in new ways for you. All of our work and the foundation of our relationship with you starts with a commitment to deliver a breadth of amazing games to discover and play on Xbox. Over the last few weeks, we've been excited to share more details on important elements of a plan we've been building towards for years. A plan that is the fulfillment of a promise to you, the Xbox player, to deliver the most performant, immersive, and and compatible next-generation gaming experiences, and the freedom to play blockbuster games with your friends anytime, anywhere. Today is a landmark step in our journey together, and I'm incredibly energized by what this step means for Xbox. Please join me in welcoming all of our friends at Bethesda to Team Xbox. So that is the... Xbox Wire post. So just just flat out, this is the biggest acquisition easily since since at least when Activision acquired Blizzard. This is probably this might even I don't know. I don't know if this is bigger than that or equal to that or like if you want to really split hairs about you know which one's a bigger deal. But this is certainly the biggest and most notable acquisition in the games industry since that. Where this is just. It's not only about what a massive acquisition is, you know, all the studios that are included and how much this grows Xbox Game Studios, but it's also, you know, who they're getting, the quality of the teams they're getting. And I, I don't mean this in any form of disrespect to the recently acquired teams that Microsoft has gotten over the past handful of years, but, you know, getting Bethesda, getting the people behind behind Skyrim and Fallout and Doom onto Team Xbox is just objectively a much bigger get in terms of just financial potential and brand strength and, and just, and, and just, you know, overall power than anything they've acquired in recent years, anything, you know, bigger than 
bigger than playground games or, or in exile or any of these kinds of teams, you know, double fine, what, whatever you want to use as the example, just for the simple point that, you know, Bethesda are the creators and the holders of IP, like the elder scrolls, which is on like God tier in terms of like brand cachet. So, you know, you talk about like games that just everyone knows games that you can go up to like Joe Schmo on the, on the street and be like, name me a video game. Tell me about one of those newfangled video games. And they're going to be like Mario brothers. I'm like, good, correct. Name me another one. They're going to be like John Madden. And they're going to be like, yeah, very good. Give me another one, double or nothing. And they're going to be like, uh, elder scrolls. And then you'll be like, yeah, you got no, well, they're not going to call it elder scrolls because people just refer to elder scrolls as Skyrim. So they're going to be like, Oh, Skyrim. I, I know all about Skyrim and Mario brothers and Zelda brothers and, and, and Halo Brothers, and 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 that's it's just it's on that tier of iconic of just level of iconic. And for Microsoft to acquire just not only you know a franchise that has this kind of cachet and has this kind of sales potential and this kind of just this history, but also just combine it with all these other studios that actually date back and really do have a very like storied and relevant history with Xbox and with Microsoft as a whole, I think is just kind of the perfect acquisition. So I, I was telling my brother, and my nephew, we were, we were kind of having a group chat about this, just kind of blown away by this, like everyone was. And it's one of those things where like, I can't get over this because it's such a weird acquisition. It's a great acquisition. I think this is a hundred percent, a great move for Microsoft and for Xbox, but it's also so weird and I can't get over it. My first initial reaction, just because for whatever reason, I can't have a normal reaction where I just think about like, wow, this means great games for Xbox. Of course, my knee-jerk reaction is like, this is kind of like a slap in the face to Obsidian, is it not? Because it kind of seemed like Xbox was building up like their own Bethesda. That was kind of the point of acquiring like in Exile and Obsidian was like, hey, we're going to have the Outer Worlds and we're going to have Obsidian make a vowed. And what are avowed in the Outer Worlds? Well, it's the Xbox version of, of Fallout and the Xbox version of, of Elder Scrolls. And that's what it kind of looked like we were getting with with Xbox. I was like, I love that. I love that Xbox is Xbox and, and Obsidian together are basically saying, hey, Bethesda, we're gonna out Bethesda you. We're gonna make a better Fallout. We're gonna make a better uh Elder Scrolls game because you guys are taking too long to make these games and they're too buggy and they're not as impressive as like modern open world RPGs like The Witcher. So like I love this idea that Microsoft was going to kind of have their own team do their own version of this and kind of compete with Bethesda. And that's what was really exciting about what we were gearing up for. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, we're buying Bethesda. And, and there's a part of me that's like head scratching where I'm like, well, that's a little bit redundant, is it not? Because now it's like you got Fallout and Outer Worlds and you got Skyrim and you got Avowed. And it's like, now you're just kind of overlapping. You're doubling down on like the same kinds of properties. Do you really need that? I thought you were taking these guys on, not just adding the whole, the whole redundancy to your, to your, to your belt, you know? So, so that was kind of my first reaction. And, and, and the other weird thing is there's kind of some animosity with some of these studios, like, like with, with Obsidian in particular and Bethesda. The, remember the way that the Outer Worlds was kind of revealed back at the Game Awards in 2018 when it was first announced was kind of like a little bit of like a middle finger to Bethesda. It was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna make our own Fallout game and we're going to do it better than you. And that's kind of how that game was billed. 
And now it's now they're just like, oh, actually, we're all just under the same family. Welcome, welcome to the family, new team. You know. So I just find that extremely interesting. Um, but I I also think that thinking that way and thinking of it like kind of in a more like strategic or or thinking of it in an overly specific strategic way, like I was thinking, is almost kind of detrimental because again, you you gotta come from the perspective that everything Microsoft is doing is about Game Pass. Every acquisition they make is ultimately about about Game Pass because you know if if you're if you're Xbox, you can't do what Sony does and have like have like a really solid 10 to 15 studios under your belt that just make, you know, they release a game every 3 to 4 years, one a studio. You need to have a massive wheelhouse of studios because if you're trying to support a service like Game Pass, you got to have new stuff coming to it consistently. Think about Netflix. Netflix can't be like, I'm trying to think of a studio that wasn't bought by Disney. Uh, Netflix can't just be like Universal and be like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna release like this many things. That this is, We got like four movies for the year and this is our, our, our slate. You know, Netflix has to be like, no, we've got new stuff coming every fucking month. We've got multiple TV shows, multiple movies, documentaries, stand-up specials, all this shit coming every month. And obviously a lot of stuff's third party, but you know, you look at Netflix now, Netflix survives now not because of its third party content, but because of its Netflix originals. That's why people have Netflix today. And so it's all about, you know, new content constantly. So if you're if you're a Microsoft, if you're an Xbox, if you're trying to support something like Game Pass, you have to have new content coming on a consistent rollout. So you can't just have 10 to 15 solid studios. You need to have 25, 30, whatever studios. And so as we have it now, it looks like Microsoft is at, Xbox is at about 23 studios. And I still think there's the potential for them to grow even more. I don't know how soon it'll be before we see another acquisition or another announcement, but I think it's possible, you know, with the acquisition of Bethesda and how many studios that nets them, I think it's possible we see them go even further beyond this because, Game Pass is a, is an amazing value. We all know that. We all talk about that constantly. But at the end of the day, Game Pass isn't great because of EA Access. Game Pass isn't great because you can play, you know, two year old games on it. You can because you got Rocket League on Game Pass. Game Pass is great. You know, Game Pass's biggest selling point is that when that new first party game comes out, the day it comes out, I don't have to spend sixty bucks, seventy bucks on it. I'm just going to get it in Game Pass. It's just going to be there waiting for me. No additional funds whatsoever. And that's the big, that's like, you know, everything else is just icing on the cake, right? We, we talk about all the features, the X Cloud, all this other shit that we get with Game Pass. But everything outside the first party lineup really is just the icing. It's it's the extra accoutrements. It's the, it's all the other stuff. For the, for the most part, we're like, we're like 80, 90% here on Game Pass because we want Halo Infinite to just be there on Xbox, free to download the day it comes out instead of buying it. We want, you know, Elder Scrolls 6 to just be there the day we buy it. We want Avowed and State of Decay 3 and all these new games to just be there the day, launch day, come home from work. You don't have to pre-order shit. You don't have to think about shit. You just open your Xbox, like, oh yeah, that new thing's on. Boom, click it, you're playing it. Just like how you get on Netflix and you go, oh yeah, season 74 of Strange Things came on today. And then you, you click it and then you've seen the kids riding the bicycles all of a sudden. You're like, yeah, I'm happy. And that's 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 the whole point of this. And so so a lot of this is twofold. It's okay, well now, you know, now the the big RPG fans are gonna be super satiated because because Microsoft has so many RPG studios. They got in Exile, they got Obsidian, they got Bethesda, they've got Playgrounds making Playground Games is making Fable. They have all these new RPGs 
coming like boom 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 so now you're looking at xbox and this is is the console that 10 15 years ago everyone was saying oh that's just the shooty console that's the halo the gears of war the call of duty console no now it's the home of the rpgs and remember rpg is that genre especially open world western rpg oh my god that's that genre that gamers just kind of arbitrarily hold up as like the holy grail of video games you know if you make a first person shooter in a military setting people don't take you too seriously from like a artistic or like a real gamer experience because you know it's oh it's the shooting it's the guns it's the it's for the it's for the plebeians but the second you make a game that's like oh it's big it's open world it's 80 hours there's dragons there's lore you guys like lore you're gonna read all about the lore in this game oh and you get the first person and there's character agency and you can give your character pink hair the second you do that in a video game all bets are off fucking video game nerds go nuts for that shit so the fact that Microsoft is now the premier place to go for massive open world Western RPGs is fucking mind blowing. And and think about it. What in terms of like first person Western RPGs, what do they not own now? It's CD Projekt Red. So, yeah, they don't have Witcher and, and Cyberpunk, which don't get me wrong. That's a massive one. But everything else is pretty much on their side. The only other, th- I mean, you, you can argue, well, Sony is kind of getting in that that space now. Not the first person thing so much, but their games are basically big open world Western games with RPG elements. I, I guess now you think about like Horizon and Days Gone and stuff like that. And, and I guess Ubisoft, if you want to talk about games like Assassin's Creed, which is, of course, third party, so it's on Xbox anyway. But when you think about like the premier franchises, some of the biggest names in these open world RPG element, whatever, questing games... Xbox is the premier place and it's crazy how you know just a few years ago people were writing off Xboxes Xbox one has no exclusives it's just Halo 5 and Forza and Forza and Forza and Forza and Gears 4 and Forza and Forza and now here we are fast forward today and it's like wow Xbox is going to be the most powerful console ever made the most affordable console on the market all the open world RPGs game pass the best value in gaming holy shit and like all of a sudden it's like Xbox is looking impossible to ignore in terms of its value and the quantity and the quality of what it has to offer. And I think maybe that last word is the biggest thing to harp on here is Bethesda is going to bring the quality to Xbox that they are desperately in need of. And again, I don't mean this as like a slight to anyone. You I mean, you guys know, I I think like the coalition 343 makes some of the highest quality games on the, you know, out there in, in, in the world right now, of course. But you know, again, no disrespect to some of these smaller studios, but when you think of like Undead Labs or like Compulsion Games, you're not thinking like the biggest must play like holiday blockbuster games. Everyone's gonna be talking about the shit. Got to get your hands on. We happy few. You know, that's that's not what those studios make. And Microsoft's bought in a lot of those like pretty good, you know, double A like kind of quality teams that make that make cool games that you know Xbox gamers will enjoy and gamers will enjoy. But not like, you know, not everything they're doing is boom, Halo after Halo after, you know, they're not making like God of War after Uncharted after Last of Us, like boom, boom, boom. They, they've got the whole gamut. And just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how great that is because they got a little something for everyone. If you're a racing guy, if you're a first person shooter guy, if you're a 2D platformer guy, they got all the facets kind of covered on Xbox. And I love that about Xbox. But now they've also got just so much AAA quality. And that's what Bethesda brings to the table because... You know, when Bethesda comes, when a new Fallout game comes out, when a new Doom game comes out, when a new, when a new Wolfenstein game comes out, these are like, these are those games where like gamers and the industry kind of stop and they're like, whoa, this game's out now. You know, everyone's got to be talking about playing, thinking about this game. 
And Xbox has so many of those with the acquisition of Bethesda because they already have the handful that they have just being Xbox with the regular Xbox studios. And now they have the handful that come with Bethesda and Xbox was already growing. Think about, think about like Everwild from Rare and, and Avowed from Obsidian and Halo Infinite from 343. And then, you know, Starfield's coming out in a year or two uh, from Bethesda. And then, you know, maybe like, I don't, I don't fucking know, like a, maybe a new Wolfenstein game. Like these are like having this come back to back to back and be like, this is what Xbox has to offer. These are the big new releases. That's an absurdly impressive lineup of just like, don't even think about PlayStation. You're just a person who owns an Xbox and has a subscription to Game Pass. That's the shit that's just going to keep popping up like new game release, new game release, new game release. That's the kind of shit you can come home from work or enjoy a weekend just sinking into and you don't have to think oh man I got oh man all these games are coming out the new Bethesda games coming out the new Sonic the Hedgehog is coming out I gotta save $184 if I want to buy all the hottest games like no just chill the fuck out because it's all there on Game Pass Game Pass solves every problem there is for gamers except the problem of time now there's just now every problem you have with gaming is, is, is solved except you just you still don't have enough time to play everything you'd like to play and unfortunately Game Pass probably only exacerbates that situation. But other than that, you know, these acquisitions and, and the introduction of Bethesda to the Xbox family and bringing Bethesda games over to Game Pass, you know, everything day and date, that's gonna, that's just like all the problems with gaming solved right there on Xbox. And so, you know, obviously that's the big exciting part, right? All these games are gonna be there. Starfield comes out, boom, I'm not spending 60, 70 bucks on it, whatever. It's just there in Game Pass. These are the, these are the big initial reactions to this acquisition but then you think about it a little bit further and you're like okay so what does this mean for playstation because obviously we well first of all i think the first thing that comes to mind is on playstation we already know two of their like launch window-ish exclusives or timed exclusive games are both bethesda games so that's immediately like just like a big wtf moment right so tango gameworks is ghostwire tokyo and then and then arcane's uh new game death loop both of those are ps5 timed exclusives and now they're owned by xbox so it's like wait what the fuck does that mean so you know these are games that xbox is going to profit off of but will be exclusive to playstation now the deal doesn't fully close out this acquisition they, they say it's not till fiscal year 2021 sometime like around possibly like may june next year but you know the profits coming in from these games sold are all going to be going to xbox's pocket pocket as these game come as these games come out over the course of the next you know six to ten months or whatever it is so that's that's amazing that's immediately just like a big okay so what happens here does does xbox just bring bring these games over to xbox in addition to playstation or so i mean phil spencer immediately said you know we're going to honor let me just actually read the quote so you, so it make this a little easier. So in the in a Bloomberg article that kind of went over a lot of this, we got some quotes from Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella and then of course head of Xbox Phil Spencer. Spencer says or this is the excerpt from the article that kind of addresses this. It says, recently, however, Bethesda has been working on more tightly with Sony. Bethesda had previously agreed uh, to debut two of its upcoming games, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, on Sony's new PlayStation rather than Xbox. Both games were announced as timed console exclusives, meaning that they will be restricted to PS5 for a fixed period of time before coming to Xbox. Microsoft will keep the commitment, Spencer said in the interview. Uh, future games like Starfield will be available for Xbox, PC, Xbox, PC, and Microsoft's Game Pass video game service. And then he says, quote, we'll take other consoles on case by case on a case by case basis. So basically what they're saying here is, yeah, we 
obviously Bethesda already has this agreement with Sony, time exclusive with, with Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Think of this like the whole like double fine with Psychonauts 2, where it's like, okay, it was already kickstarted and promised on PlayStation. We're going to honor that. Uh, Wasteland 3, which just came out, it was already, you know, it was already promised on PlayStation before Microsoft bought in Exile. We're going to honor that. Outer Worlds, it was already promised on PlayStation before Microsoft acquired and announced uh, Obsidian's acquisition. So they're going to honor that. This is one of those situations with these games, right? Where these games are coming to PlayStation, they're going to be kind of the last, they're going to be in that in that realm of like, we bought these studios when these games were already in development, where these deals were already promised. So we're just going to honor that. We, we can't, we can't make the next move with these studios until after those previous agreements have been met. So I think that's a pretty easy concept for Xbox gamers to grasp at this point because we have the aforementioned examples to go off of to kind of understand what we mean by that or what, what Xbox means by that. So that right there is easy enough to grasp. I, I saw a lot of people kind of grappling with these two games in particular. I think you're overlooking it. These games will come to Xbox probably in a year or so. They might come a little bit sooner than they were originally going to, uh, but they'll come to Xbox. Don't worry about that. But yes, they're going to have to honor that pre-commitment to have them on PlayStation first. That's just how those things work. You can't kind of break contracts and things like that, like this. So just whatever. That is what it is. But then after that, it, it's it's the things like Starfield that are the bigger questions. You know, Starfield was announced a few years ago, but when Pete Hines got out on stage at E3 and announced Starfield, or I think it was Todd Howard who announced it, that he didn't show it he didn't show like gameplay footage he showed like a splash logo and said its name you know we don't know what starfield is we still haven't really seen it so with a game like that it's a little more like okay does that have the potential to be solely on xbox and pc and game pass and not come to playstation and so that's kind of where the argument naturally stems off from there is what does this mean for console exclusivity and we've seen xbox be kind of wishy-washy right the biggest example is minecraft back in 2014 microsoft bought minecraft everyone was like okay so this means microsoft is going to take Minecraft off of PlayStation 3, off of Vita, off of Nintendo Wii or U or wherever it was at that point, off of iOS and Android. They're going to leave it only on Xbox, but then that's absolutely not what happened. In fact, Microsoft's like, we're just going to basically let Minecraft operate as its own thing, and they let Mojang make a PS4 version of the game and make a Switch version of the game, and like they just got VR support for PlayStation VR on Minecraft or, or uh, Oculus or one, one of those VR platforms, um, and they've been like doubling and tripling down on Minecraft across all platforms. We just saw you know, Minecraft Dungeons, which is a separate Minecraft experience, came to Switch, came to PlayStation. So you see Microsoft kind of take these on a case-by-case basis already. And the precedent's already been set that sometimes when Microsoft buys something that already has a history on a certain platform, they leave it be. And now a lot of the Minecraft kind of argument has been, well, Minecraft's kind of treated less as a game and more as like its own platform, its own service. So that's kind of why they let it do its thing. And so you think, okay, well, what's a what's another example of that? And we we haven't like totally gotten one yet, right? Because Obsidian hasn't, gotten to the point where they, you know, Avowed, Avowed would be the, probably the best example, actually, right? Because Outer Worlds was already, you know, pu promised to be published by, by 2K and then, or Private Division, which is owned by 2K. And so it came to PS4 and it, it kind of had its own prior agreement and everything. It came to Switch even. But now we know, you know, now but Obsidian's like, okay, here's our next big game. And this is our first game as a fully Xbox-owned studio, fully funded by Microsoft, no previous engagements or, or agreements between other companies or publishers before Microsoft bought us. And that's Avowed. Avowed is a game that's exclusively for Xbox and PC. It's a Game Pass thing. 
fuck everyone else. It's just an Xbox game, right? But now we gotta say is now we gotta think is that what Microsoft's planning to do with Bethesda? They're gonna say, okay, well the next Doom hasn't been announced yet, and the next Doom doesn't have any precedent for its relationship with you know certain platforms. Does that mean it's gonna be only on PC and Xbox? You know, I, my guess is that first and foremost. Microsoft's going to look at this as what is the history of this plat of, of this game, right? People, uh, yes, Bethesda games have a little bit more of a history on Xbox platforms than PlayStation. You know, like the Elder Scrolls games were on Xbox OG and 360 before you know Skyrim came out and Oblivion kind of came out later on PlayStation and, and you know first got life on on PlayStation consoles and you know Fallout you know, was kind of a, a big showcase in 2008 for the Xbox 360, but now we play Fallout 4 and shit like that all the time on PS4, but these games have kind of a precedent with Xbox, so it, it's it's like this whole, like, where's it gonna go? My personal belief is that we're gonna see series like Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls and Doom and Wolfenstein continue to show up on other platforms. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, these games are now going to suddenly become exclusive to Xbox. I think one Microsoft's too big on like the, the good guy, Microsoft PR thing to let that happen. And two, it's just not worth the headache of like, fuck you, Microsoft. I played all the, the Wolfenstein and Skyrim games all over my PlayStation consoles. And then you guys arbitrarily decide because you bought them that now I can't play them anymore. Fuck you. That's such a dick move. Uh, you're, you're not creating new studios. You're just buying up talent because you can't create your own. I can already like write the fanboy arguments about this, right? It's, it's going to be something to the effect of Microsoft couldn't make a good Halo game or couldn't create a good enough studio on their own, so they had to buy someone else and take it away from Sony, and that's how they got their console exclusives. You know, something like that kind of word tracking is exactly what the argument becomes the second Microsoft's like, yeah, the next Fallout is not on PlayStation. So it's not even worth fucking with that that situation. Don't even mess with it. Just happily give it to PlayStation players and continue to make shit tons of money because people are going to buy it on PlayStation. You're going to sell a lot more copies if it's available to that massive PlayStation install base. So I think you'll definitely see those games on those platforms. Now, he talks about the case by case basis. That's, of course, referring to like, okay, but what about Starfield? Starfield's a new IP. It's like the Fallout or the Elder Scrolls in space game. But, you know, we've never had a Starfield game. It's never it's never been on PlayStation. It's never even been on Xbox can we get away with that being an Xbox and PlayStation only game, you know, or an Xbox and PC only game and not being on PlayStation? And then that's a little bit of a gray area because we know for a damn fact that the game was teased and announced initially with the implication that it would be coming to all platforms. And so, of course, if it were to not come to PS5, that means obviously things changed because of this acquisition, and that's why the game's not coming to PS5. So that's that's also a little bit of a gray area. Now, let's, let, let's say... In, in three years, you know, uh, Machine Games says, hey, we're going to take a break from Wolfenstein Games. We've actually been working on a brand new IP. It's called Nazi Slut. You play as a Nazi. It's it's similar to Wolfenstein, but it's not in the Wolfenstein universe. It's its own thing. You play as Hitler. You, you dress up as a Nazi slut. You go out in the streets and you, and you, and you try to hit on German men and, and get them to take you around town in their car and buy you nice steak dinners and then and then fuck you like crazy in the back of your BMW or Mercedes or whatever the fuck it is German people drive, right? And and that could be Nazi slut, right? And Microsoft can go, okay, this is a new game. It's a new IP. No one ever knew about this. This was never a thing in any capacity before we bought them. This is an Xbox-only game. You can only play Nazi slut on Xbox and PC. It's available through Game Pass. Fuck you, PlayStation, right? And I think that's where you can get away with it. That's the moment where it's like, okay, 
okay, fair enough. Microsoft owns you guys. This is a new game. Nazi Slut's a new thing. No one ever promised or implied that it might be on PlayStation in any form or fashion whatever that is what it is that's that's what you get for buying bethesda right okay but here's the problem is the second you release nazi slut on pc and xbox only and then you start looking at your numbers because you're microsoft and and, and you got to make money and that's the point of your business and you start saying you know we make so much more money on doom and prey and enrage and all that because we put these games on all the platforms since these franchises have a history with all the platforms if we just put Nazi Slut on PlayStation, we could sell 40% more copies and the game would do so much better and be so much more lucrative. Why are we arbitrarily drawing the line based on, you know, a property that's been on this console or hasn't been on this console? And and you have to start asking yourself, you know, if you're the guy at Microsoft who's responsible for reporting to investors, for reporting to executives at the company and saying, this is how this gaming division is doing. This is how our games are performing. This is the kind of money we're making. And then you're Satya Nadella or you're an investor who has no fucking like stake in the whole like fanboy PlayStation versus Xbox argument. You're just there to make sure these things are making money. Satya Nadella or the investor is going to go, why does this Nazi slut game not go on PlayStation, but your Elder Scrolls and your Fallout games go on PlayStation? That doesn't make sense to me. There's a lot of money being left on the table here. What's the hang up, right? And so with that, it's like, well, I just don't see financially why they just would leave that money on the table and not make the game multi-platform, considering things like Elder Scrolls and Fallout, which are much bigger franchises and big, bigger, better sellers than Nazi Slut, you know, are, are on PlayStation and available to more consumers. So you got to think about it from that angle as well. This is the big thing, guys. Phil Spencer is constantly the guy who's saying, we want gaming to be about where you want to play, who you want to play with, and when you want to play. That's the whole point of xCloud. That's why we have xCloud. It's about saying, oh, you don't have a, a home gaming console. You don't live in a part of the world where it's where it's common to own a, a home video game console or it's expensive for you. It's just not an option for you. Hey, that's fine. Play Xbox on your cell phone. You know, oh, you, you're a console, you're a PC gamer. It, it doesn't financially make sense for you to make a home console purchase when you already have a work computer that can run games just fine. That's totally fine. Go ahead and play Xbox games on your computer. But then it's completely tone deaf to this message of playing games where you want, when you want, how you want it, empowering the gamer, you know, giving the, the gamer the choice when you arbitrarily say, well... PlayStation's not Xbox, and they don't play nice with us, and we don't like them, so we're not going to give PlayStation our games. So you get to this point where it's like, it's just such a it's such a double-edged sword, because if you're Xbox, you're like, hmm, well, if we really want to be all about empowering the gamer to choose how, where, when they play, then we should continue to let Bethesda operate as Bethesda always has and, and make games for PlayStation. And ultimately, it just results in a lot more money for Microsoft. And so then you say, well, as an Xbox fan, as someone who's deeply invested in the fanboy argument, how does that make sense for me? Why do I care that Microsoft just spent $7.5 billion? Microsoft just spent almost double the money Disney spent on Star Wars to get Bethesda. Why do I care if they're still putting all these games on PlayStation? Well, think about it like this. Think about exclusivity or the benefit to being on a console. Not so much about the exclusive games, but about the value of gaming. And that's really what's been under our nose this whole time. That's the whole point of Game Pass. So yeah, you can, someone on the PlayStation side who's a very big PlayStation fan who has a lot invested in making sure that Xbox gamers are very unsatisfied with their purchase and their fandom might say something to the effect of, 
Well, you're a stupid Xbox gamer because even your good exclusive games like Skyrim and Nazi Slut are still available on PlayStation 5. But my awesome exclusive games like Crash Team Racing 7, Crash gets a new driver's license, and uh, Uncharted 7, Crash gets a new driver's license, and Last of Us Part 3, Ellie's actually got her hand back or whatever. All of a sudden they say, well, those games are only on PlayStation and Spider-Man's only on PlayStation and fuck you, Xbox. So you might hear that argument, but here's where here's where Xbox gamers can still get their kicks while Microsoft's still making money off the PlayStation guys because you're not paying for those games. And we just saw that PlayStation games are going to start costing 70 bucks and a lot of third-party games are going to start costing 70 bucks. And you, you want to know what? I bet Xbox games are going to start costing 70 bucks. We haven't really seen it yet, but... I wouldn't be all that surprised if Avowed and, and the next Forza and all these games are $70 instead of $60. So guess what? You get to save, you get to be, you get to win, you get to have your little Twitter moment when you say, yeah, sure, you can play Nazi Slut all you want on the PS5, but I didn't have to pay for it because I got it through Game Pass. And that's the value of being an Xbox gamer. That's why you have an Xbox in your living room. That's why you play the Xbox app on your PC. That's why you do the Game Pass on your PC is because... You get that shit for free with Game Pass. You didn't have to pay for it. The PlayStation guy, he's just constantly shooting himself in the foot and disrespecting his wallet because he's like, oh, well, PlayStation exclusives are where it's at and PlayStation's the better console, so I guess I'll just pay $70 for all these Microsoft games that I could just get for free if I played on an Xbox. So I think that's kind of the solution. That's how you have your cake and eat it too. It's saying, yeah, Xbox gamers, you're still going to get all this great value and exclusivity. PlayStation gamers, play your games on your console all you want. Give us a shit ton of money for them, and it, it's it, you know it's, it's your choice what you want to do with your money, and I think that makes it makes so much more sense because then Microsoft's making making so much money not just from Game Pass subscriptions to Xbox users, but from PlayStation gamers that are stupid enough to spend seventy dollars on a game they can play for free on Xbox. Think about it like this, you know I, I talk about this I don't know how much I talk about it on the podcast, but I'm very wary of this concept of like guys the better the value of Game Pass gets the more mindful you have to be that at some point the price is going to jack up, right? We pay 10 bucks a month for Game Pass, 15 if you have Game Pass Ultimate, you know, combine your your live gold with Game Pass, which I don't know why that's not the one you have, that's probably the one you have. So 15 bucks a month, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever, eventually that price has to go up, right? You know, eventually having EA access and, and, and cloud gaming and all the exclusives and paying for these 23 studios to keep making games, the money's got to come from somewhere. And yes, Game Pass is already very profitable, um, but they need they they're here to make money and eventually all this all this all this value we're getting from Game Pass is going to result in prices going up. Remember, the more we sit here and just tweet out all day about how great Game Pass is and how much value there is in Game Pass, the more that tells Microsoft, well, we could probably get away with jacking up the price a little bit sooner or later because people think we're just giving them so much fucking value, we can probably make a little more money off these people. And and I'm telling you, I don't I'm not saying it's today or tomorrow. I think it's maybe even a few years out. But eventually the price of Game Pass is going to go up. And so, how do you how do you put game, Xbox gamers in the best position to get the most value uh, the most bang for their buck, you know, the lowest cost of subscription possible while still getting the most games and the best value and quality of games possible? You subsidize the cost. Well, what do you mean subsidize the cost? This is how. If you put these Xbox games on PlayStation where Game Pass doesn't exist, you're just subsidizing the cost of Game Pass for Xbox gamers. So I pay 15 bucks a month on Game Pass and get all the Xbox games I want for free with Game Pass. 
and then PlayStation gamers help keep my my subscription costs at $15 or less because they're dumb enough to buy the games I'm playing for free for 70 bucks. So this is a good thing. You need like think about this like a little more strategically. If you're an Xbox gamer, you want these games to be on PlayStation because that just means Microsoft's making you more money off these games and therefore is getting more money to fund their games division, to fund these studios and to keep the Game Pass costs at what it's at because they don't have to jack up the price if the PlayStation gamers keep giving them more and more money hand over fist. And I know, you know, that's that's a little bit idealistic. It's still possible that they jack up the price while taking all the money they can from both sides. They are a business after all. But uh, the general idea here is that, you know, if they can make this hand over fist money from PlayStation fans anyway, that's just nothing but good news for us because a profitable and successful Xbox means that we don't have to worry about them struggling or having to find new monetization avenues. And and that's a good thing for Game Pass. So I, I think we got to start looking at this as a good thing, right? And, and also, this is really just at the heart of this whole like exclusivity thing. This really is a tribalist argument to be having in the first place. Guys, you shouldn't be wanting for someone to be someone who decided, you know, I, I, I can't justify buying all these video game consoles. I'm going to buy PlayStation because it's just the one my friends are on. It's the one I, I normally buy and I like PlayStation and I like Uncharted and that's my thing. You know, you shouldn't be reprimanding someone for making that decision, right? And so the fact that someone can buy PlayStation because it's what they prefer and then still have access to all the great games we get on Xbox, that's something that we should be happy for them, you know, to have access to, you know, like it's a good thing that someone on Xbox is like, oh, I'm getting to play your exclusive too because Xbox put it here also. It's like, awesome. That means you get to play a great game. And if you're really that tribalist about like in defensive of your brand, that just makes your brand look like a, like a better guy, like a cooler person to just be like, hey, yeah, you can have our shit on your platform. Honestly, it just makes Sony look kind of shitty because it's like, well, Sony's not doing anything for us. Sony's not giving Xbox fans anything. And Xbox gives so much to Sony. And and what it really does, and and this is like the core of what I'm getting to, is it's kind of like Microsoft almost forcibly making Sony like an OEM. Like when you think about like Microsoft's main bread and butter, Windows, the operating system for computers, you know, that's what they do is they make the operating system and all these other companies say, well, we need to put that operating system on our computers. So Dell makes a computer, Lenovo makes a computer, you know, Razer makes a computer and they put Microsoft software on it. And Microsoft makes money off of all these fuckers because they make the hardware, they fine tune the experience, they do what they do with it. But at the end of the day, it's Microsoft software on there. And that's kind of like, in a way, it's almost like Microsoft is like sneakily turning PlayStation into Xbox. They're like, Sure, you don't want to, you don't you don't want to put Game Pass on PlayStation because you want people to buy PlayStation services and play PlayStation games. That's fine. We just bought Bethesda. Don't fucking tell us you're going to boycott Bethesda from your platform because you know Sony has so much money to earn and to and to keep by keeping Bethesda on their platform. So Microsoft's just like, "Sure, we'll put our Bethesda games on your console. We'll put our Minecraft games on your console. We're happy to make all this fucking money off of off of PlayStation." Remember, Xbox is taking the focus away from the box and putting the focus on the brand. Xbox experiences, Xbox games, Xbox services. You can play it on an Xbox console, but you don't have to. Sony's doing just the opposite. Sony's playing the old school game of like, we want to sell our hardware. That's Sony's MO, is to sell PlayStation hardware, to sell you a PlayStation box that plays PlayStation games. Very different strategies. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying they're very different. So PlayStation has a lot more to lose 
by potentially putting their games on Xbox and and by allowing more of like an open ecosystem because PlayStation's not the one dominating with the services right now and isn't backed by a, like an absurdly wealthy con- company that can afford to basically do whatever the fuck it wants. So like, Sony's the one who has more to lose. PlayStation's a massive brand. It's a powerful brand. It's a very lucrative brand. But Sony lives and dies by its traditional method of make an awesome console, sell that awesome console, and sell amazing games for it. And if Sony can't do just that, PlayStation can't really exist. And PlayStation is such a massive part of Sony's business overall. Xbox doesn't have to do that. Xbox can say, sure, Sony keeps beating us at console sales. We'll just take the focus away from consoles and make it about services and games. And we'll put our games on their platform. And we'll put our services on PC. And we'll put our services on smartphones. And Xbox becomes more about where you play games and what kind of games you're playing than about, you know, does the box have the Microsoft logo on the bottom and say, hello from Seattle, you know, designed in Seattle, manufactured in China, whatever the fuck it is that makes an Xbox an Xbox. That's kind of an arbitrary bound boundary that Phil Spencer keeps talking about in a very direct way of like breaking down and getting away from. But I feel like Xbox fanboys and kind of the console war conversation keeps trying to like almost neglect and, and just constantly disregard. It's like, this is happening whether you like it or not. This is what Xbox is becoming. And I, I, for one, think it's fucking awesome. I love the idea that people who don't buy an Xbox can still get some of these really awesome games on their console. And that that will also financially benefit my brand and my console, thus allowing us to get more great shit on Xbox. So this is just a win-win for everyone. More games for gamers, more money for Microsoft. Therefore, they can reinvest that money into more awesome studios and video games for all of us to play. This is... Just nothing but good stuff. But I mean, I, I do understand. There's that. There's that desire. There's that fanboy flame that says, "I gotta. I, I just want to see a world where Elder Scrolls Six or Seven, Skyrim's Five. Elder Scrolls Six is exclusive to Xbox. I just want to see that a world where I can rub that salt in the Sony fanboys' wounds the way that they're rubbing salt in my wounds because that new Final Fantasy Sixteen is only on PlayStation. I get it. You want to have the big win so you can do the the social media dunk." on the other guys, that, let it go. Grow up. That's that's not what matters here. What matters here is that, again, more more gamers get to play more games, which is the messaging of Microsoft. And, and the messaging isn't because they want to empower gamers. It's because more games and more places for more players means more money for them. It's a good thing for everyone. Trust me. This is a, this is a very good thing. So I don't know. That's kind of my initial two cents on this whole Bethesda thing. It's a weird acquisition. But it also makes perfect sense. I think it makes very little sense and a ton of sense at the same time. Remember, like, uh, either Pete Hines or, or – or this is either Pete Hines or I think it was Todd Howard, actually. His kind of uh, blog post on Bethesda about this whole acquisition. Now, this is very PR-ish, but he's he's actually really right. Microsoft and, and these, in these studios that they're acquiring have a massive history together. You think about Doom and the role that games like Doom and Quake have on the PC gaming market. It's like – that's that's those things go together hand in hand and PC gaming is Microsoft that happened that shit mostly happened on Windows so like that's Microsoft in these studios from the very beginning you think about 
You think about like Bethesda coming to console. Bethesda first came to console with Xbox, with the OG Xbox, bringing Morrowind to Xbox. They, Microsoft helped encourage them to say, hey, we think there's an audience for these open world nerdy fantasy RPGs on the home console. Trust us. They did it. It worked out for them. Oblivion did better and Skyrim blew up to be like the biggest thing in the world. Xbox and Microsoft or Microsoft slash Xbox and Bethesda slash all of its, you know, Zenimax and all of its own brands, its id softwares and whatnot. They all have a very close relationship. There's a there's a long lineage here, and I think in a lot of ways that kind of marriage of these two things together makes perfect sense. So it's it's cool to see all this kind of come full circle and become all one big family. But at the same time, yeah, if you were like me and you were really you were really set on this whole like, oh wow, they're trying to build their own Bethesda competitor by doing Avowed and, and acquiring Obsidian in Exile, um, then maybe there's a little bit of like a head scratching contradiction thing happening here. But nonetheless, I'm I'm just super excited about this. I have I, I'm sure the second this is gonna be for sure one of those stories where the second I hit stop recording and I start editing this week's show, I'm gonna start remembering all the things I wanted to say about this story. Uh, but forgot because it's just such a massive fucking story and uh, it's it's crazy. It's There's so much to talk about. It's so exciting. Yeah, I, I think regardless of what side you're on, this is... And, and that's the other thing, actually, thinking of things I, I knew I'd forget, is I wanted to bring up the monopolistic aspect of this. Now, get yourselves ready because this is going to sound like some of the most like Microsoft fanboy apologetic bullshit I've ever said. But as someone who's like really, like really anti monopolistic shit and like these companies just kind of trying to consume everything like like you guys know I love Disney I love Disney so much I'm a massive Disney fan I really hate the fact that Disney bought Lucasfilm in Marvel and in 20th Century Fox and with that got like fucking Simpsons and National Geographic and all this shit that's just like it, it got disgusting like there was like Disney bought Pixar I thought that was a perfect acquisition I love the marriage of Disney and Pixar. That makes so much sense. And to most people, I don't think they really know the difference between Disney and Pixar. I think they they just, they just marry so well together and there's such a history between the two uh, companies that it's, it's like no one's going to think twice about it. That's great. But then it's like everything since Pixar, it just got a little more like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's like Star Wars Lucasfilm. I think a lot of people have come around on, on those two acquisitions. Now that's been a while. And now, you know, Star Wars feels a little bit Disney. Marvel feels a little bit Disney. I think, you know, to give Disney credit where credit's due, I think they did a pretty decent job with making those brands feel a little bit more like part of the Disney family. So I'll, I'll allow it. But then you get to like 20th Century Fox and fucking National Geographic and all this bullshit they just bought. And I'm like, all right, that's like, that's it. That's where we got to draw the line. It's like, there's nothing about fucking like cheetah documentaries and, and Wolverine slashing necks and shit that feels like, like Disney. Like we're, we're so far past the point of like, of like Disney being able to do their cute CPR bullshit to make you feel like 20th Century Fox is a natural fit for the Disney Corporation. Like, it's just, we're just so far past that bullshit. And so I'm, I'm usually one to be very pessimistic and against these kind of monopolistic acquisitions. I hate this. I love competition. I love the idea of, like, Disney being like, mm, how great would it be if we had that property? Well, we don't have that property, so let's just do our thing. Let's just be more competitive. Let's make something great. Let's make something to combat that or to compete with that. But instead, their thing is like, oh, well, we have all the money and people just love our brand blindly no matter what the fuck we do and how many slaves we have in China making our merchandise and how many cast members we employ in our theme parks and pay them like fucking like ants, 
you know, ah, people love us anyway. We'll just we'll just buy up 20th Century Fox with all the fucking money we have lying around. And then, you know, and then the world just becomes a little bit darker. It's like, ah, there's just a little bit less creativity in Hollywood, which is already like an, a create a creatively vapid place. And it's just, you know, it just sucks. So I say that to say, like, I'm willing I'm willing to criticize companies I love when it comes when especially when it comes to things like this. I don't think this is an example of Microsoft being like overly monopolistic or anything. And and here's why it's because, you know, I think there's an era of Microsoft where this acquisition could have happened and it would feel that way. And that would be like the Steve Ballmer, like windows phone era of we're trying to be like Apple. We're trying to have our closed ecosystem and do our own thing. But this Satya Nadella era of Microsoft where it's all about playing nice with others really lends this acquisition to be very non-monopolistic. And, and you know, here's what I mean by that. It's like when Microsoft, Microsoft's thing is like, we will put our apps and services and games on anyone's platform. I don't give a shit, you know? Remember, like for the longest time, you could get Microsoft Office on a MacBook. Apple's not like that. Apple doesn't play that way. Apple's not like, oh yeah, you can get iMessage on your fucking Windows computer or on your Android phone. Not a chance in hell. Microsoft, or rather Apple, would never do that in a million fucking years. You know, Microsoft's the company that's like, sure, PlayStation, we'll just, we'll buy Minecraft for billions of dollars and then really invest or have Mojang really invest in VR features for your VR platform when our gaming platform doesn't even have a VR headset. Sure, we'll let them do that. You know, because that's kind of Microsoft's approach is like, there's money to be made everywhere. We can protect and empower our brand while being on competitors in competitors spaces. You know, if you really believe in the power of your brands and your products, you can still protect and distinguish them. You know, I, I think that's a really big thing Microsoft teaches that a lot of companies could learn from is Microsoft's products and services still feel distinctively Microsoft, even when you're experiencing them on competitors hardware or competitors platforms or what have you. And I think that's what this is a great example of is Microsoft's still going to like, if Sony bought Bethesda, you'd be fucking crazy to think any of these games would ever see the light of day on Xbox ever. Like if Sony bought, if yesterday the announcement came out and it was like Sony bought Bethesda, I promise you elder scrolls, fallout, Wolfenstein, doom, whatever game you, it is in your brain. That's never coming to Xbox again. That's just dead and gone. That's over. Okay. Microsoft buys these guys and immediately it's like, yeah, yeah, we're open to keeping all this shit on PlayStation. Sure. So it's like, so, so how does this hurt the market? It's like, well, Xbox gamers now get these games for free via game pass and PlayStation gamers still get these games on their, their platform just as they would have anyway. So it's like, okay, it benefits more people than it hurts. I'm okay with that. And so that's why I'm always weary of like these kinds of like, oh, Xbox is getting too big. Microsoft's getting too big. Maybe, you know, the games industry just got a little bit smaller because a big get like Bethesda and all the teams that come with it just got gobbled up by Microsoft. But eh, this this doesn't feel like uh, this doesn't feel like one of those things where it's like, oh, well, a bunch of people just missed out so that this one company could get a little bit more powerful. It doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like everyone just won a little bit more like, yeah, Microsoft's going to make more money out of this. But like, gamers won you know playstation gamers still get these games xbox gamers just get these games for free now so 
I, I guess we all won. Now, of course, you know, this is this is all like with a big asterisk. I could be dead wrong. You know, tomorrow the interview could come out and Phil Spencer could be like, all right, here's the deal. Uh, Starfield, since it wasn't already announced for specific platforms, is going to be exclusive to Xbox and PC. Uh, Elder Scrolls 6, we understand that's a very important game. Uh, that's why we're going to put it on Xbox only. And fuck you, PlayStation fans. I want to drink your tears. Like, that interview could come out tomorrow and then all this podcast could look like a big fucking joke. And I could be, you know, laughed off the stage. I don't know. It's possible. I just don't feel like based off what we've seen in recent history from Microsoft. And I don't think based on, you know, what I get from their messaging and their marketing and the kind of direction they've been aiming in, that that's what we're going to see. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter, like, quote tweeting, like, like you guys know, I, I mentioned from time to time, Colin Moriarty, probably the only person in the games industry I actually follow religiously. And his beat is PlayStation, which is so funny because you guys know I almost never play PlayStation at all. But like, I listen to his PlayStation podcast religiously. In fact, this show is pretty inspired by that podcast. And I love, I, I love that guy to, to like to death. Like I, I respect and admire so much, so much of his insight and his takes and his opinions. And he was out on Twitter the other day saying basically this, that I expect a lot of these games will come to PlayStation. Like, do not think that this acquisition means PlayStation gamers are now going to miss out on games like Fallout and Elder Scrolls. That's not the case. And I just saw Xbox gamers all over Twitter quote tweeting him and trying to rip him and other people who said similar things totally apart being like, oh, this tweet isn't going to age well. Oh, this guy's a fucking idiot. He thinks this. I'm like, I don't know, guys. I I think you'll be surprised. I think if you truly believe that everything Bethesda does from here on out, with the exception of these two PS5 uh, ex- timed exclusive games that we already knew about, I-, I think I think you'll be pretty fucking surprised to see what games from Bethesda still make their way over to PlayStation. And, and when I say Bethesda, I mean ZeniMax, the parent brand that incorporates all the studios. I'm talking about your Fallout 76, your Fallout proper, your Elder Scrolls, your Doom, your Prey, your um, Dishonored, Wolfenstein, all these fucking games. I promise you, you're going to see most, if not all, at least most of this shit on PlayStation. So big win for everyone. I think that's all for for now, at least. I had a quote from Sechin Della, but I don't remember how I wanted to incorporate it. That's that's the big story, guys. I would love to hear what I, I know. We like to talk about the food and the in the in, in all the lengthy comments and the weird shit we like to get into. Trust me, I, I love and respect that everyone comments in with this crap. I'm very interested to hear what you guys had to say about this week's news between the acquisition of Bethesda and the the pre-order situation. I'm I'm actually really curious to to hear what you all have to say. In fact, I think someone already wrote in. Let me see. Let me check my comments here. No, I don't see it. I thought probably probably someone commented and I just uh, didn't put in the notes because I'm a fucking in, imbecile. But yeah, so that's that. Now we got a couple smaller stories and, and some wrap up things uh, we'll get into, and then we'll do the comments. Or actually, yeah, let's 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 wrap up with these two small stories, and then we'll do the comments and finish up with the regular run of show, guys. As we're already we're already over an hour into the show, but. Goddamn, I'm just that I'm just that excited about all these things. So next, Xbox Wire also posted this week this uh, whole this whole article and post about accessories for the Xbox Series family of consoles. And with it, we got some. This isn't like a, a big one to divulge, but we got we got some little bits of information, new information. 
that I think are pretty interesting. So obviously the, the new Xbox controller that comes with the Series S and X is a thing we've known about for a long time. So for those who don't know, it technically is like just a touch smaller. I think they say something like 3% smaller. It's actually really interesting to hear uh, like the engineers and the design team at Xbox talk about the controller because what they talk about is how like it's something like 90, 93% of people uh, who hold the Xbox One controller, like the current Xbox controller, the feedback is that it's like the perfect fit and factor for a controller, but they're like obsessive over like getting that, like trying to minimize the the percentage of people who don't find it to be an ideal comfort and fit for them. And so, and so like I, I, there was, um, I wish I could remember who posted this so I could give credit, but there was some outlet that was like reporting on this, like talking about like what it's like when you go, go to like that, Xbox like design rooms and kind of see the things they're working on and stuff and they have like these prototypes of like giant Xbox controllers and like the whole point is like obviously you're an adult you hold this giant Xbox controller that just feels super big and obtuse and and the idea is to is to simulate like what an Xbox controller feels like in your hands as an adult and it kind of imitates what like a five-year-old feels when they hold like a regular Xbox controller because you know obviously like the average person like you or me picks up an Xbox One controller and it feels like the perfect X like video game controller of all time. Like Xbox has like definitively not even not even it's not even an opinion. It's just like objectively the best controller. It just feels so good in the hands. But they're like obsessive over like, yeah, but like that's assuming you're like a standard sized adult. Like now what if you're a child and you want to get into gaming? It's like that can be a little off putting if the sticks just feel a little bit too far apart or you know it's just hard to get that perfect form and grip around the triggers and all that. So the new Xbox Xbox controller is technically like, I think they said something like three percent smaller, and, and what they're going for is like that fit where like if you're someone who already thinks the Xbox controller feels great, you're not going to notice the size difference, and if you're someone who normally found it to be like just a bit too big, like a young child, you're going to suddenly find that it's like just just the right size to where it feels manageable and usable, and so it's like just kind of about balancing that controller to really fit all users as much as possible. So I think I just find that really, really cool. I mean, that's something that like 99% of people are never going to notice or give a shit about, but it's that kind of like obsessive detail that I just find so compelling and interesting. So I just, I really thought that was cool. But yeah, I mean, obviously we know the big things with the controllers. It has the share button in the middle. Now Uh, the triggers have been reworked a little bit, the way the bumpers and triggers kind of line up. There's a little bit more of like a curve to it. And then the D pad looks a little nicer. It looks a little more like something between the 360 and the Xbox One D-pad, like they kind of morphed into one perfected D-pad. So there there are some slight differences. For most part, it's the same controller, but they showed off this new color. It's called like Shock Blue, which like this uh, Sega color blue with like a white back um, backside to it and, and black D-pad and triggers. Looks like a, a pretty cool looking controller. And then they showed that the charging brick is coming back, the rechargeable battery pack. So, you know, 360, Xbox One had this. So now Xbox Series controllers will have it. I think it's the same one that the Xbox One uses. I could be wrong, but it's that $25 uh, rechargeable battery pack that you put in the console. It comes with the USB cable so that you can kind of con- charge. You can plug it up and, and play it wired and charge your con- your controller. And they can unplug it and get a nice... Uh, um, a nice uh, 10 hour, what is it? 
they're quoting like a, I think it's like a 10 hour battery life or something like that. I could be wrong. Don't, don't quote me on that. But yeah, so the, but the bigger thing from all this that they announced is uh, in regards to Xbox design lab, the, the thing online where you can make and design your own, your own controller. Um, so a little quote from this announcement, it says, as we look ahead to a new generation of Xbox accessories, Xbox design, Xbox Design Lab is also preparing for its next evolution. Beginning on October 14th, Xbox Design Lab will be going offline temporarily so that you can uh, so that we can bring some updates returning back in 2021. So obviously this is their way of saying, you know, they're going to they're going to sunset the ability to probably make Xbox One controllers on the Xbox Design Lab and they're going to, you know, you know, bring in change the molds and kind of change up the system and the features and the options to kind of make it suited for xbox series controllers and then they'll probably bring some new options and things like that in as well so uh obviously october 13th last day that you can get your uh, your order in before it goes offline till sometime 2021 i don't know how long that will be it's a it's a vague 2021 so hopefully it's not like a full 12 months hopefully it's like a spring 2021 thing but that's that's just something i wanted to put out there if you're someone who is looking to design your own xbox controller on the xbox design labs that feature will be going offline for a undetermined amount of time beginning october 14th and running into sometime next year so i just wanted to bring that to light you know just because i don't want to catch as few people off by surprise as possible you know take care of my xbox xbot fans out there my 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 fellow xbots so that's kind of the update on that and i think the last big thing with that is Obviously, we saw a PlayStation that prices for all the accessories were going up by like 10, 20 bucks or whatever. Xbox controllers are going to stay at the same price. So an Xbox Series controller, 60 bucks, just like it currently is. In fact, on Best Buy today, they were on sale for 50 bucks. So you can already get this unreleased controller for a discounted price on BestBuy.com, which is great. You know, 50 bucks from Best Buy and then, you know, DualSense for the PS5 is what they say, 70 or $80. So it's just... you know, it took a price hike, just like their games, Xbox, you know, you're saving money on accessories. So we just, it's just a gift that keeps on giving 25 bucks for the battery pack that not many people buy anyway, uh, 60 bucks for the controllers controllers are on sale right now for 50 bucks on Best Buy. Do yourself a favor, go ahead and splurge on some Xbox controllers. And if you're looking to use the Xbox design lab, make sure you get your order in before October 13th so that you can you can do your thing and hang out with your friends or whatnot. Now, the last little news story before we jump back into the comments and kind of go through our normal run of show, also coming from Xbox Wire, where we're just getting a lot of news this week. Microsoft announced a new Xbox beta app um, coming to Android phones and tablets that will kind of in- introduce a lot of features that will help you if you're an Xbox gamer on the go, allowing you to do things like voice chat from your phone, which is a long overdue feature. Rest in peace, Xbox chat lost out to Discord, but I'm actually pretty excited about this. So let's just jump into an excerpt from the Xbox Wire article, which says, Today we're excited to share another update, laddering up to our vision of delivering you a unified Xbox experience. An all-new Xbox app in beta on mobile uh, is now available on Android phones and tablets. The new app has been rewritten from the ground up to make it easier for all gamers to stay connected with your friends, games, and fun at home, uh, whether you're on the go or at home, no matter 
what device you prefer to play on. Your friends and parties can stay with you via voice and text chat, even if they're on console or PC. That's a that's the big win there. Uh, a new unified notification inbox means you will now receive and be able to clear your notifications for new party invites, messages, and more right from your phone. The new share feature makes it easier to share game clips and screenshots from your Xbox console to your favorite gaming and social networks. Lastly, we're unlocking Xbox Remote Play, formerly known as console streaming for all gamers in the new Xbox app. You no longer need an Xbox inside you no longer need to be an Xbox insider to play games installed on your console to your phone. The free app is available for you to check out today and keeps you in the game wherever you like to play. So, first of all that remote play just because I think that's a thing a lot of people probably don't know about. You have the ability to stream games from your Xbox to your like Windows 10 PC or Android phone, but that's been a thing only for Xbox insiders. I know I had access to that. I tried it once with Halo 5, but my internet was shit and it kind of lagged a lot. Um, but yeah, now it's now it's coming to this app so that you can kind of stream to your phone and everything, and it's available to everyone. The app is called Xbox App, and then in parentheses, beta, kind of like that PC app that was out for the longest time until recently. So go ahead and download that now, Android users. But it, I mean, that's the big thing is finally you get party chat and group texting and all that on your app. So, you know, someone can be, this is the best part, you know, someone can be like, you could be in a party with with like one friend who's on Xbox playing Halo Five, and or you could be like playing Halo Three ODST firefight. You got one dude on PC, one dude on Xbox, one dude on phone, all in a group chat, all all gaming alongside each other, all because the power of where you want to play. This is this is where Xbox is headed, guys. This is the the beauty of Xbox. And that person on on phone could be remote streaming it from his Xbox to his phone, or he could be using xCloud. He can do whatever he wants because he's an Xbox gamer. No one tells him how to play. He decides how to play. That's because he's an empowered and uh, an individual uh, individual gamer, what what have you. So I don't know. I just think that's pretty exciting stuff uh, in the game. In the app, for those wondering, yes, it does have all the look and aesthetic UI appeal of like the uh, new Xbox dashboard that we're, we're seeing kind of slowly roll out on Xbox One as we head into the series generation of consoles. Guys, I'm really excited about that. The other thing is they were talking about how like, where did I see this? I don't know where I saw it. I don't think it was on this article. I think it was on a different one. But they were talking about how the Xbox, you know, the what's that app called on Xbox Studio? It's the, it's the app where you get to like edit your clips and like upload them and add effects to it. How that's going away and it's going to be, you know, the new share button on Xbox Series consoles is going to take you to a tab where you can edit and upload videos. But it's going to be a little faster and snappier and easier and kind of introduced into the or or uh, injected into the share menus now instead of its own separate uh whatever that app was called it's called like studio or something like that um design studios edit studios or something like that so that's going away as we head into xbox series x uh which is exciting kind of sad i hope i hope they don't limit the amount of like filters and features and transition effects and it, it kind of felt like a light like video editing software built into the xbox I, I hope they're able to keep most if not all that stuff maybe maybe add to it rather than minimize it for whatever reason i'm just afraid that this new share integration is going to really minimize the amount of editing and kind of effects you can put on these clips but we'll have to wait and see. I feel like that that was a feature that wasn't that was a feature that wasn't too heavily used on a uh, on Xbox, so I wouldn't be surprised to see it kind of take a back seat or just change in a more basic way as we head into the new generation, but nonetheless wanted to make you weary of that. Uh, can't be that popular if I couldn't even remember the fucking name. 
but that's all of the the big stories. We'll we'll get into important enough news stories. Actually, let's just do this. Yeah, important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. We'll just jump through these quickly in succession since it only takes a few minutes, and then we'll read the comments. So we've got like four or five of them today. Uh, first one is from Windows Central. It says, amidst today's massive news of Microsoft acquiring ZeniMax Media, publisher and parent company of the studios like Bethesda, Arcane, and many more, Microsoft have revealed that Xbox Game Pass has over 15 million subscribers. This is up by 5 million from 10 million subscribers back in April of this same year. Uh, Count Scotula, frequent commenter uh, on the podcast, welcome Count Scotula, uh, commented in regards to this story, so I thought I'd include his his comment over from YouTube.com where he says, quick mention, on top of the massive acquisition news, Microsoft reported Game Pass subscriptions are now up 15 million. That number is going to skyrocket with all these games coming to Xbox and PC Game Pass. This is a really so this is important because you say how do how do you jump by five million when your numbers you go from ten to fifteen million in in a few months when it took you like two years to get from zero to ten? Well, that's because obviously the subscription you know Game Pass is picking up steam, but I think I think the big thing is the console generation. I've kind of I don't know if I've ever vocalized this on the on the podcast, but I've kind of always had this theory that. Game Pass is something that's going to get a massive bump when the new consoles come out. It's it's one of those things where like it came out kind of towards the middle-ish end of the Xbox One generation where a lot of eyes weren't on Xbox and a lot of people didn't give a shit about Xbox. But now Xbox is in a position where a lot of people are taking note of it just by sheer fact that, you know, new console hardware is always an exciting thing and all eyes are on the game companies when they have new console generations coming out. So you have an opportunity here where you have a lot of PlayStation gamers that have been neglecting Xbox are suddenly paying attention to what's going on with Xbox as we head into the new generation and just just gamers in general. So this is one of those situations where it's like, you know, all these new eyes on it, we get we get the opportunity to show off what Game Pass is and get a lot more people hooked and on board as opposed to like last year when people weren't really so much like going out of their way to see what was going on with Team Xbox because, you know, there was new no new hardware generation coming out, no Halo, no acquisitions and stuff to talk about. It was just kind of more of a, a dull passerby year as, as we made room for 2020 in the Xbox series generation. So I, I think that's going to be a huge boon, a huge boost to these numbers. It's just all the attention from the next gen consoles, plus, you know, the actual move into next gen. But I think another thing that will draw a lot of attention is obviously this acquisition. I think a lot of people are going to be like, holy shit, Bethesda, especially when you start to see these games actually come to Game Pass. You got to you got to imagine like when games like Halo Infinite or or Starfield like actually come out, like when those games are actually like imminently releasing, you're going to see numbers of Game Pass start to jump like crazy because those are the kinds of games. Those are the killer apps that make people go, okay. Time to stop flirting with Game Pass and to finally, you know, hit subscribe. Like, I need to play this game. That Those are going to be the kinds of things that give you big jumps. So unlike Xbox Live, which has more of like a gradual build of like, as, the, as, as more people adopt the console, more people adopt the service, Game Pass is one of those things where it's like, as more people adopt the platform in the games, you'll see those numbers jump, jump, jump. So the more Xbox can get compelling kind of triple-A uh, killer apps on Game Pass, the more you're going to see people just flock over to it. So that's why you're kind of seeing it like exponentially grow all of a sudden. And this is great news. 15 million subscribers for a service that's not even three years old yet. Uh, and it's on the the lesser popular serv- uh, platform, gaming platform, is a, huge, is a huge get. And of course, you know, 
Game Pass is also on PC, so there's a there's also a big boost there. But I, I'm telling you, once especially once you see like Halo Infinite come out, you're gonna see Game Pass subscriptions just jump a shit ton. And it's a subscription service, so it works like the way they all work, where the hope is that you subscribe for one thing and then kind of forget you're subscribed and just never cancel it from there. And then you're just paying 10, 15 bucks a month indefinitely. So that's a, yeah, that's really impressive stuff there. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to continue to see game pass just like increase exponentially. Um, as we head into the next generation, as new people start to acquire these new Xbox consoles and as uh, these new big games start to hit the service. Next quick one, Gears Tactics will be released for Xbox consoles on November 10th. So we finally have a release date for this, and it is the launch day of the Xbox Series X and S, and the game is now available for pre-install on Game Pass. I already have it pre-installed on my console. Uh, Watch the the launch trailers out now features... uh, uh, Features shows new features coming to Gears Tactics on all platforms, including the new playable character Jack, who was first introduced in Gears 5. Next, while we wait for the while we wait with bated breath for Bright Memory Infinite, FYQD Studio and publisher uh, Playism have announced that the first Bright Memory is joining the growing ranks of Xbox Series X and S launch titles, debuting on consoles on November 10th, 2020. This will give players a chance to jump into the, the first game in the in the series, which is an insane action-packed shooter uh, packed into a relatively modest game. Bright Memory Infinite, the sequel, the one that was showed off earlier this year for Xbox Series X, will of course be released sometime in 2021. Next, a listing for Halo Infinite was spotted on Best Buy's website. It's listed for $130, $130 and along with it comes uh, the Halo Infinite itself, uh, a Master Chief statue and a steelbook case for the game. The statue can also be purchased individually for $60 and pre-orders are live right now. Uh, next, and this is the sad one, Disintegration, that really unique RTS first-person shooter hybrid game that came out was led by ex-Halo developer Marcus Leto, who who worked on Master Chief himself from the early Halo days, his new studio V1 Interactive uh, team behind it. They, they have announced that its multiplayer modes will be slashed from the game in the coming months and will be completely removed from the game by November 17th. So multiplayer will be totally unplayable. They've already started by, um, <clears throat> as they've noted on their blog post, that as of today, they will uh, um, immediately remove the in-game store from from the game, and then the multiplayer will completely go offline in, in November. Uh, on the blog, they say, quote, unfortunately struggling to build a significant audience necessary for a compelling multiplayer experience uh, is the lead cause for this, and that the decision to sunset the multiplayer was made after careful consideration. Single player will, of course, go untouched. So I thought that was really sad as someone who really liked that game and really wished it kind of took off more and sold a little better. Really sad to just see that all those bright new developers and that veteran staff just kind of put this new thing out into the world and hope that someone would pay attention to it and just kind of watch it fall flat on its face and totally bomb. And then the last thing, the one I didn't even include in here, but I'd be remiss if I didn't note on any other week, this would be a bigger story. Halo ODST uh, is now, Halo 3 ODST is now on PC as part of the Master Chief Collection. You can go and download it now. And with it, comes firefight the best multiplayer horde mode outside of call of duty modern or call of duty world at war nazi zombies such a good horde mode uh it's now officially out on pc and you know on xbox where we've had odst on the platform for years now we finally also got uh firefight on the console version as well so you can play the game the campaign and firefight across both platforms it's out now you are a total fool if you don't play this 
Halo ODST Firefight is just an immaculate special game mode, and I cannot wait to jump back in. Maybe I can get my brother to play this weekend, or maybe maybe we can maybe I'll just go play with a bunch of cool PlayStation guys because all my Xbox games are on PlayStation now. But that's gonna do it for all of our news, guys. Let's let's circle back to the top of the show. Go through some com- some comments, shoutouts. Uh, that come, of course, from YouTube. You can find me on Second Best Gaming on YouTube. You'll see the Xbox on Podcast playlist there. That is where people go to leave their comments, uh, write their stupid shit, talk about food, talk about video games. We talk about it all here in the comment section, guys. So our first one here comes from none other than the good Mr. Lethal Migraine. Uh, Tanali Maya may be a little jealous of my affinity for Lethal Migraine. Listen, Lethal Migraine's a good guy. I don't I don't care if you think sometimes his takes are a little a little too hot I don't care if you think sometimes maybe he's a little too too brash. I don't I don't I don't know what you think what you think about him. I see you there poking at Mr. Lethal Migraine. I, I say you leave Lethal Migraine. Leave him alone. He's a good guy, supporter of the show since day something, early days. Kind gentleman. Happy to have him here commenting. Be nice to Lethal Migraine. It's okay to pick on him every now and then. I think everyone deserves to get picked on from time to time, but be good to Lethal Migraine. He's been he's been good to all of us here. Uh, he, 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 now, with that said, allow me to totally rip Lethal Migraine to shreds because his comment here reads, reads there is no good Mountain Dew. Now, you, you have two other sentences, but I can't even get to them because you say, there is no good Mountain Dew. And then you have the audacity to put two of the crying hysterically emojis. As if you think that's funny to say. You know, you think that's like some kind of joke. There's no good Mountain Dew. The fuck, man? There are no good teachers. There are no good parents. You know, there are no good Christians. You know, you don't believe in Christianity, therefore all Christians are evil. You think all businessmen are just inherently evil because, you know, they run corporations or they run businesses and they make money. You think just everyone's immediately evil, like we're all Nike with uh, Chinese slaves in these sweatshops working on sneakers for the American people. You think that just makes everyone evil? You think that puts like small business owners who just try to own an honest to God mom and pop fish bait shop? You think that puts them on the same level as Nike? Just there's no good Mountain Dew. I've got I got news for you, Lethal. There are no there is no good Lethal Migraine. Fuck you. Mountain Dew is not is not only the best soft drink brand in the history of the universe. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's a way of life. I would not be where I am today without Mountain Dew. I have a very successful relationship with a girl I love very much. I have a wonderful Xbox podcast with a small but growing audience, and I'm very grateful for it. I have a wonderful day job that pays my bills, and I can't remember what the company's called or what I do at it because I'm not all that invested in it. And I got all those things, and I got to where I was, not because I worked hard, Not because I studied hard in school and I tried hard to be a good Samaritan. I stayed out of trouble. I made the right decisions. I saved my money. That has nothing to do with anything. My plight in life, the kind of family I was born into, where in the world I was born, the color of my skin, my gender. None of these play any factor into who I am or what I have or how I got to where I am in my life. That is all irrelevant. Mountain Dew is the drink that defined my character. And I will not have you here in the comment section of my podcast shitting on arguably the the soft drink that raised me lethal migraine i'm disgusted by you now you continue to say dr pepper is where it is at and i will say i love dr pepper dr pepper is a fantastic soda it's up there it's a top five soda brand for sure 
And you say, however, A&W tastes so much different from A&W's shop than it does from any other source. I don't give a shit about A&W. We were joking around last week about how I went to an A&W restaurant. I tried a root beer float there. I thought the burger was pretty good. I don't care. You leave Mountain Dew out of this. You either say absurdly positive things about Mountain Dew, or you just keep your fucking mouth shut, okay? How's that? You can say what I want. You can insult anyone I love, talk shit about Xbox, be skeptical of Phil Spencer and his intent with the brand, shit on anyone else in this comment section. I don't care. But you leave Mountain Dew out of this. Have you had Mountain Dew Whiteout? I didn't think so. So until you try that white nectar, that smooth citrus dew, you just keep your goddamn lips closed because you don't know what you're talking about. And this is very dangerous territory. And I very much encourage you to think twice about what you say. Now, Julian W. comments, he's our second commenter, says, this is the funniest podcast I've ever listened to. You're hilarious. New fan for sure. Well, Julian, welcome so much. Well, thank you very much and welcome to the show. I have no idea what you're talking about. I try to be very serious and direct on this show. I don't know what you mean by funny, but I nonetheless appreciate you listening in and and participating. Your support is very welcome and appreciated. Next comment here comes from Strictly Gaming, who says, After hearing you talk about Halo so much, I felt this weekend I had to jump back on Halo, and once again, I was shown why I'm such a fan of Xbox and Halo. God bless America. You say, my question for you this week is there... Is there talk that there could be a Battle Royale mode on Halo Infinite? What are your thoughts on that? Because personally, I'm not a fan of modes like Warzone or or either Fortnite. I just think that a Battle Royale mode is just jumping on the bandwagon and could ruin a Halo game. I just want good old Halo, nothing silly added. Thanks. Strictly Gaming, I think this is a great question because, you know, I have thought the exact same things and have the exact same reasons for thinking them, which is that... Halo is a very special thing. It was a trailblazer of a franchise, and it got that way by being individual, by being unique. Um, Everything that Halo does, for the most part, seems to be Halo's attempt at just being itself, of being unique and doing something different. And I think you see that spirit even up through, you know, Halo 5, you know, despite people taking issue with Halo 5. You see that with modes like Warzone. Warzone is a very unique multiplayer mode. It's it's arguably like it's answer to Battle Royale before Battle Royale even was really a thing. Um, where, you know, it's like big team battles where there's like objective stuff and there's NPCs that you fight and there's two teams facing off and, and there's these bases and all these like side objectives and things going on in the game. There's tanks and or vehicles and aircraft and just so much shit going on. It's this awesome big map kind of all out battle. And I love it. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't think Warzone's the best mode in Halo. I definitely prefer firefight. I definitely prefer Warzone firefight. I definitely prefer a classic arena multiplayer, but I, I like Warzone. And, and one of the things I really love about Warzone, it was, it was definitely three, four, three carrying out that Halo spirit of let's just do something different and try to redefine Halo multiplayer by, you know, by just marching to the beat of our own drum and kind of showing why this this franchise is so special is because it does what it does so well and it, it tries to be unique and original in, in what it does. And and Battle Royale kind of undermines that because regardless of how good your Battle Royale game comes or or is, there's no denying that no matter what happens, any Battle Royale game that comes out now just feels like it's jumping on the bandwagon, right? Like, I, I often say, like, I don't give a shit about Battle Royale games, but I actually really like Apex Legends. I haven't played it in a long time, but I, I enjoyed the hell out of it, especially around the first year or so that it was out. And uh, even when that game was coming out, I was like, wow, this is a very bandwagon-y thing to do. This game kind of feels 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I was definitely eager to try it out just because I loved Respawn and I love the Titanfall universe. And, you know, Apex Legends turned out to be really fucking cool. But, you know, now we have just so, even since Apex has come out, we have so many Battle Royale games. Everyone's trying to do it. EA's got multiple ones. Ubisoft just got one. Uh, PUBG's kind of dead. Uh, Fortnite's still the biggest thing in the fucking world, even though it's not an iPhone anymore. And it's just... It's just this kind of thing where it's like Halo is special. Halo should be being Halo. It shouldn't be concerned with trying to like keep up with the trends and being cool. It should just do do what Halo does. I, I agree with you. But I just, I mean, here's the honest to God truth. This is the story, I believe. There are a handful of insiders who said a couple of years ago, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast, that 343 was ready to show off a Halo 5 Battle Royale mode. I think this was E3 2018, I want to say. But they had a trailer queued up and everything. It was going to be part of the Xbox um, show that year at E3. And they were going going to reveal a Halo 5 Battle Royale mode that was going to be implemented into the game. And then they during that year's E3, like a day or two before Xbox's showcase, they saw EA uh, show off that Firestorm mode for Battlefield 5, I think it was. It's the Battlefield 5 Battle Royale mode. And they saw kind of like the immediate backlash you got. And everyone was like, oh, this is bandwagony, And we don't want this. And Battlefield 5 doesn't need this. And blah, blah, blah. And immediately, Microsoft and 343 were like, okay, we're yanking this from the show. They just took it out. They didn't announce it. It just kind of quietly died. And a lot of the speculation has been that they kind of came back to it and thought, no, we're going to do this. And it and it made its way into Halo Infinite. And now the plan is that Halo Infinite will, whether it's at launch or in the future, at some point launch or have some battle royale component to it and I'll, I'll be honest i think that's a big possibility that it happens i'm not crazy about it either but i think there's a possibility for it uh it's just battle royales are too lucrative there's too many of them doing well surprisingly and uh you know especially since halo's multiplayer is going to be free halo infinite's multiplayer is going to be free i i think that gives them a big upper hand in um in making this thing take off because if Halo Infinite is a big and successful game, it's going to have this 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 thing going for it where it's like, okay, well, it's Halo and everyone loves Halo, and then it's uh, Battle Royale, but it's also free to play, so you don't have to, you know, it's like this known brand, it's this thing everyone loves, the new game's doing well and people are talking about it, and you can get in on the Battle Royale for free, so I mean, I think that's going to be a very alluring thing, plus they'll have it on PC, um, since Halo Infinite's also going to be on PC, so I... I'm afraid that this is going to come to Halo, but I agree with you. I don't, I'm not crazy about it. Now, if they can find a way to really twist the formula and turn it on its head and make it unique, you know, maybe they can win me over. Again, I like that. I like Apex Legends, so maybe they can make this work out. Um, but yeah, I just uh, don't, in, don't expect it to not be there because I think there's still a possibility for it, especially with Halo kind of turning into a platform and the multiplayer being free to play. I think that lends a lot of room for them to do a Battle Royale, but I'm with you. I would prefer to them to focus their development time and their energy on something new and creative or just on doubling down on what they're already working on. But I don't know, man. We we might see it. Not crazy bad, but we might see it. And now our penultimate comment for the week 
Count Scatula coming in for a second time. Can't get enough of this guy. He says, great show once again. Uh, one thing about Game Pass profitability that people sort of overlook is the microtransactions in every game as a service, which is most games now. Microsoft gets a cut of every single dollar spent. I started playing Rocket League after it was added to Game Pass, and I'm ashamed to admit how much I've dropped on that game. I'm sure Microsoft gave EA some big incentive for throwing in their catalog, but EA gets free advertising and access to 10 million gamers, 15 now, that may buy something or upgrade to EA Play Plus. As Game Pass grows in subscribers, developers will want to jump in and get uh, such a large audience. With PC in the mix now, I believe Game Pass could have 50 million subscribers or more by the end of 2022. That's a lofty goal. If they keep getting third-party games and release some amazing first-party titles. So yeah, this is this is a great point. I think this is why you see things like Destiny coming into Game Pass is because Destiny, you know, people who have Game Pass are going to get Destiny one and two or, or destiny two and all of its expansions for free through game pass and so it's like okay well how's bungie making money off of this well i mean obviously microsoft's giving him some money for having the thing in game pass but also it's like that's just like you said that's free marketing to have it available so many new people it will bring a lot of new people on board and then you know they'll be able to spend money on microtransactions and in destiny they buy that currency called silver uh, if you're a nerd you buy that or you buy like the the season pass they have the season passes for like uh, all the in-game gear and shit like that and you sell a lot of that stuff by saying okay well now we're going to give you the expansions for free if you have game pass but it's going to give us a bigger pool of players which means more people buying uh, season passes and silver and things like that, microtransactions within the game. I think you're absolutely right. That's a huge draw, and we've and we've seen like reports of like developers talking about how Game Pass has been a great thing for them. It's getting a lot of eyes on their game. Microsoft's giving smaller developers whose games would have otherwise not sold very well money to be on the service, which is getting a lot of people playing their games and, and money to to fund these studios. And then, yeah, with, with games like Rocket League, which is actually leaving Game Pass now because the game's going free to play, you're seeing like exactly what you're saying. More opportunity for a bigger audience of people to get on the game and therefore spend money on microtransactions. So this, this really does seem to be... I'm still worried of Game Pass because I feel like at some point there's going to be a big old downside to game pass it just we haven't seen it yet and i'm still nervous about it but you're right this is a perfect example of why this is such a great deal for everyone involved i just uh, i hope it just continues to be that way but thank you for writing in now our last comment of the week is tanali maya been ignoring you a little bit lately huh you uh you, you seem like you got a little bit of a chip on your shoulder so let's let's read your latest comment you say doom microsoft studios now owns doom quote ryan mccaffrey i don't I don't know if he actually said that or not, but I, pr I appreciate you for some reason quoting IGN's Ryan McCaffrey on this uh, podcast, but there you go. Uh, you say, under normal circumstances, I would be tempted to ask Mr. DeRosa about his thoughts on the huge Bethesda acquisition or about the latest market research numbers slated in Game Pass subscriptions um, to 15 million and growing. But I'll take a page from my simple friend, uh, Restorative Brain Freeze, which I know is a, a little bit of a... It's a little bit of an opposite kind of tease at Lethal Migraine. You say, and I'll ask something guaranteed to make the air. Jesse, Coke or Pepsi? Now, I, I see you kind of kind of poking a little bit, you know, talking down to me a little bit. Something that's guaranteed to make the air. Oh, you don't want to talk about Xbox. You want to talk about stupid shit like food or Coke or whatever. Yeah, you're not wrong, Tanali. You, you're getting the hang of it. If you leave me a long comment about Xbox, I don't fucking know. Go ask someone who does an Xbox podcast about that. Ask me about Coke versus Pepsi, you know, Popeyes versus KFC. And now we've got something to talk about. You're getting the hang of it, and I'm and I'm happy for you. So you say, Jesse, Coke or Pepsi? 
Canned shocked reaction. Really? Wow. Why would you choose insert beverage name here over insert opposing brand name here? Now, that's wild. Tell us more about 20 minutes worth more, please. And now I, I again, I get you're like, you're joking. You're being condescending. You're like, oh, this is what you'd rather talk about than Xbox. But yeah. So to answer your question that I know you're not really, you know, you're not really asking for a serious answer. It's rhetorical. You're trying to, you're trying to make a point. You're trying to pick at me a little bit. I'm going to answer your question seriously anyway, because this is a good question that needs answering. And that's what I'm here to do. Now, Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. I'm not a fucking heathen. I know Coke. Listen, I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. That's the home of Coca-Cola. I went to school. I went to college within walking distance of the world of Coke. It's a fucking museum dedicated to Coca-Cola. You think I'm not from Coke Town? Listen, I'm I am from I am from Cokeville. I'm from where everyone's on Coke. Everyone's doing Coke all the time where I'm from. And I still go with Pepsi because I'm not a fucking heathen. I know I know Pepsi's better. Pepsi just is better and I'm really tired of this conversation. People just default to Coke because it's like if you don't like Coke, you're like some Nazi or something. Listen, Coke is good. They're both good. And I, I agree with the the age-old comment that a Coke at McDonald's tastes extraordinarily well. Yes, I love an ice-cold Coca-Cola with a McDonald's cheeseburger. I love an ice-cold Coca-Cola at a sporting event. You ever go to, like, a, a baseball game and have a Coke? Fuck beer. You ever go to a baseball game and have a, an ice-cold Coca-Cola at a baseball game? God damn, that's good. It's so good. In the souvenir cup with the ice, for some reason, it just tastes different. Coke is so good in those circumstances. I get it. But if I'm, like... I don't. I try not to buy soda a lot and bring it into my home. But like, if someone's like, "Hey, here's a here's a lukewarm can of Coca Cola. Enjoy that with your home cooked dinner." Like, that's not appetizing to me. Like, I'm not into Coke. I'm not gonna go above and beyond for like a can of Coke with my dinner or like grabbing a Coke at when I'm at the grocery store and you see the little checkout cooler there and there's like a the personal bottles of Coke. I'm not tempted to go and grab a Coke while I'm checking out. Like, that's not me. But, like, if I'm going to a restaurant, like your simple restaurant, and you're going to order a, a soda because you're going a little you're going a little spicy that day, you don't really give a shit about feeling bloated, I'm going to go with Pepsi if it's an option over Coke every time. In fact, usually I try not to order soda at restaurants. I usually just get water. But if I'm having a day and I'm feeling a little spicy, nine times out of ten, I'm more inclined to order the soda if the restaurant serves Pepsi over Coke. And I know Coke's the popular one. Again, listen, I'm from the birthplace of Coca-Cola. I don't give a shit what you had to say. Pepsi is better than Coke. It just is. Okay? It just is. Now, that again, that doesn't that doesn't mean Coke's bad. It just means Pepsi's better. End of discussion. Now, I know you weren't like I said, you weren't you weren't looking for that response Tanali, but it would serve you well to start posting more about nonsense and less about the, these Xbox things you want to talk about, okay? Hint for next week, ask me something about mac and cheese. We can we can do an hour on macaroni and cheese. But thank you for writing in, and thank you to all who wrote in. That's going to do it for all of our comments for the week, all of our news stories for the week. Guys, it's been a big week. Microsoft bought Bethesda. That, that still just doesn't sound right, no matter how many times you say it. It's fucking insane. Now, you may be wondering, Jesse, what about the new game releases of the week? Okay, hold your fucking horses. There's 17 new games coming out this week. We got them here on Xbox Wire. The first one, boom, Halo 3 ODST coming to PC on September 22nd. I will never make fun of this one. I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything mean about this game based on the the name of the game or the or the screenshot accompanying it. Halo 3 ODST is such a masterpiece of a game. If you've never played Halo 3 ODST, I hope you live a miserable and unhappy life. Like I hope you never find love. I hope people close to you abandon you 
If you've had the opportunity to play Halo 3 ODST and you just said, nah, I'm good, you're a piece of shit. But that's Halo 3 ODST. Now, next we got Halo 3 ODST Firefight, which comes to PC and console. Boom, that's some good shit right there. You get some friends together, you say, hey, friend, let's uh, let's get on Xbox. Let's stop avoiding each other and get on the old Xbox and play some Halo 3 ODST Firefight. That's just the the best time possible. That, what a what a great night of fun that would be. Now, next we got Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. This is like significantly less exciting than Halo 3 ODST. And then after that, you got Tennis World Tour 2. And that is so much less exciting. Like that's like that's like 17 less exciting than Halo 3 ODST. Then you got Castle Storm 2. That's two times less exciting than than um than Halo 3 ODST. Then you got Drone Racing League Simulator. I'm really tired of this drone fad. We need to stop. Stop stop with the drones. Tell the US government tell the US military to stop with drones. Like no more drones. Jet Set Knights. Now this is a game that's about not being like Halo 3 ODST. So I'm gonna recommend you don't play that. We got Unrailed. Now I don't uh, this is about someone who has bipolar disease and refuses to play Halo 3 ODST. And then we got Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols Adventure. This is so funny to me because we were just talking about Mr. Colin Moriarty earlier in the show, the PlayStation uh, connoisseur, the PlayStation podcast guy I listen to. He actually owns a small indie studio now, and this is his video game. He released a video game earlier this year for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita called Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols Adventure. It's like based on his podcast. It's like a It's like a brick-breaking game with a story mode. I played this earlier in the year. It's actually really fun. It's it's so weird, but he just brought it over to Switch and Xbox. So now this game that's loosely based off a of PlayStation podcast is now available on Xbox, which I find really funny. Congrats, congrats to my podcast lover, Colin Moriarty, in his indie studio Lilymo Games on the release of Sacred Symbol or Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols adventure on Xbox One of all places. That's pretty fucking cool. Now. Going Under is our next game. Now, Going Under is about an investigative reporter who looks into people um, who haven't played Halo 3 ODST and studies the psychology behind why they refuse to play such a masterpiece of a game. And then Little Big Workshop is a game uh, about the team at Bungie when they were uh, workshopping Halo 3 ODST, how they knew they had a massive success on their hands. Our next game here is called Mafia Definitive Edition. This is a remaster of a detective game where you where you uh, where you investigate people who refuse to play uh, Halo 3 ODST and in most instances have to shoot them for not playing not having played the game. Our next game is called Nexomenon Ex- Extinction. This is one of those weebs Pokemon ripoffs. Um, so if you're looking for a Pokemon ripoff, that's what you got there. Next here we got Port Royale 4. Port Royale 4 is um, a game about getting on this nice pirate ship and and going to a beautiful tropical island escape getaway. And when you arrive at the island, you find out that they have these beautiful lush uh, resort resort huts that you can stay in, and they're all equipped with Xbox 360s playing Halo 3 ODST. So it's just the best vacation ever. Next, we've got Sentinels of Freedom, which I think is what they call the ODST in Halo 3 ODST. And then we got Shotgun Farmers, which you might remember, this this was in the list last week, so I guess it got delayed by a week, but the game still looks kind of wacky. I kind of want to play it. And then finally, we got Troll Hunters Defenders of Arcadia, 
which is based off that DreamWorks Netflix TV show, um, which I think is about a bunch of kids who go home after school and play Halo 3 ODST Firefight and have the time of their life. So that's all the game releases of the week. Make sure you play Halo 3 ODST Firefight. And then, for a reminder, Games with Gold. Games with Gold is this thing where you get free games, but it's not Game Pass. Um, so, reminder, for the rest of the month, you can still download Tom Clancy's The Division 1. And then... Now, from now until October 15th, you can download The Book of Unwritten Tales 2. The Blob 2, you missed out on that shit. You can't download it anymore. And then finally, Armed and Dangerous, an OG Xbox game. You got that available for the rest of the month. And with that said, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox On. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this Bethesda acquisition. I'll say it one more time. Microsoft bought ZeniMax and now owns Bethesda. Microsoft now owns id. Microsoft owns Doom. Master Chief and Doom could be in a video game together. That, that's just fucking crazy. So thank you so much for listening, guys. I uh, look forward to your, your comments and your feedback. Remember, all positive things. Go on to iTunes, leave me five stars, say very nice things about me. Maybe you could compliment my hair. I, I noticed not many of you have complimented my hair. That's something I would like to see reflected in, in five-star reviews going forward. And until next time, that is, if you could get your hands on an Xbox Series X pre-order, then you can power your dreams.